The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. We're an independent sovereign state. We are neutral when it comes to military issues, aren't we? Well, interesting story today in the Irish Times. Conor Gallagher, crime and security correspondent of that newspaper, joins us. It's long been denied that we have been dependent on the Royal Air Force to intercept hostile aircraft in Irish space. But has that denial been truthful? Uh, Well, it's certainly not the full truth. Uh, What we have learned through our reporting is that an arrangement or an understanding or a memorandum of understanding, whatever you want to call it, with the British uh, has been around for over 70 years and actually dates back to the the Cold War, well before 9-11, well before the fall of the, the, the Soviet Union and has been in place and approved by cabinet regularly since then. Is this a bit of an Irish solution to an Irish problem in that it's not a treaty because you'd have to go to the Doyle, so you put it under another form of wording and then try and deny that it actually exists? That's my understanding of it. Um, the, uh, the, 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 so the Doyle, the Constitution says any, I think the phrase is any agreement with an uh, international power uh, or uh, another power has to go before the doll. Uh But, you know, you could word it as this is a memorandum of understanding. So it's, it's not, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but my read of it is that the, they have got legal advice that says that this isn't something that has to be approved before the dogs. It doesn't quite reach that uh, threshold of an uh, international treaty or, or agreement, even though it, it, it is an agreement in all but name. How pragmatic an approach is this, given the rather small size of our own Air Force? Arguably, it's the most pragmatic approach or the only sensible approach, um, you know, given the fact that we have, uh, you know, a, a capable, has to be said, but very, very small uh, air core, which is really mainly focused on uh, civil operations and aid to the civil power operations. So that's search and rescue, uh, you know, on land, that's air ambulance missions, that's supporting the guards in certain ways, flying the guard, a helicopter, maritime patrols and flying ministers about the place. But zero or almost zero uh, combat capability to Combat capability we do have is limited to uh, these eight PC-9 aircrafts. People would have seen them flying over, uh, you know, at displays during the Easter Rising commemoration and various other events. They look like kind of Spitfires from World War Two. They are more capable than that, but they are still turboprop aircraft, which would neither have the altitude or speed or ordnance to... Uh, be of any use in intercepting anything other than maybe a Cessna or a helicopter. I want to bring in Patrick Bury, defence and security expert at Bath University, a former NATO advisor, because, Patrick, it does raise the question, if the RAF had to act on our behalf, what would they actually do for us? And would they be legally allowed to do certain actions? Well, there's two major things, Matt, really, and as Connor points out in his excellent article, you know, the first one is state-based threats, so into an airspace like Ireland, that would be what happens uh, relatively frequently, whether it's off the coast of Scotland or indeed the north coast of Ireland, is bear, uh, Russian bear bombers, basically, which can carry their nuclear uh, nuclear missiles and bombs. They they can uh, they go on patrols and they test the response of the quick reaction forces. Uh, and so the RAF in that case uh, scramble their their quick quick reaction forces, which is usually a couple of typhoon jets, 
and they escort them, they monitor the the, the, the bear aircraft uh, and then try to also if they if they're going too far into the uh, the airspace they try to sort of take maneuvers to push them along their way. And that's generally being effective. The Russians don't want to provoke a, a, you know, an all-out war here, so they generally, it's, they're playing a game, you know. Um, and the second one then, uh, potentially more, more dangerous from a legal perspective, is what if there is a uh, terrorist takeover of an airliner? Uh, at which point, you know, as Connor points out, the, the, the PC aircraft are just not able to get even that high uh, to, to interdict them. So we're, we're completely uh, have a capability gap there. Uh, and the interesting part there is if, if it's assessed that this aircraft is then going to attack based on intelligence or be driven into, flown into something, um, then the uh, RAF would have to take it, take that uh, decision to, to shoot it down if the risk was deemed such a threat to life to those on the ground. So that's where the legal thing of an MOU gets a bit more tricky as far as I understand, because who exactly has the right to do that? Um, and what happens if there is an inquiry afterwards, given the, the slight fudging and the, of the memorandum as it currently exists? And that's what happens in the air, Patrick. What about at sea? Because yesterday we had the Sunday Times reporting more Russian vessels off the Irish coast, which apparently triggered a surveillance operation involving our own naval service, but in conjunction with the UK's Royal Navy. Yeah, and again, you know, what you really need to do this piece, and we've got a, a huge coastline, the large te- largest territorial waters in, in Europe, as far as I'm aware. What we really need is maritime patrol aircraft, uh, which have all the radars and sensors uh, uh, and able to, to be integrated also back into a, a wider land-based uh, radar system. Uh, and they're the ones that, that, that basically go out um, and do the fishing, as it were, you know, trying to locate where things are and what they're up to and collect data on them. Uh, and we don't we don't have uh, a, a capable um, maritime surveillance uh, system at the moment. So that's really what you need. It's interesting what's going on at the strategic level, really, because you've got Russia trying to test the Allies in different places. So we've seen these boats off the coast of Scotland looking at the wind farms seen them over Nord Stream, etc., which actually involved in an attack. Um, and what they're trying to do is constantly keep the pressure on the West uh, to keep them diverting their attention, their capabilities. And there's also a bigger piece which is going on, which a lot of these really capable surveillance aircraft, like the rivet joints, etc., they're quite limited in number, even in the U.S., and so by making one come out to fly to the west coast of Ireland to find out what's going on or off the north coast of, of Scotland, etc., it uses, it diverts capable resource away from supporting the Ukrainians. And that is part of, not the only part, but part of the, uh, the game that's going on at the okay, moment. OK, but Patrick, we also have very valuable subsea cables running through Irish territorial waters, which carries internet traffic between Europe and the US. And a lot of these come to, to uh, ground in Ireland as well. In, are they vulnerable to Russian attack or even the potential of vulnerability? Does that mean that we need to be investing significantly in our own defence capabilities uh, to protect them? Well, on the on the nature of the cables, a lot of the cables are only about as wide as your wrist, as far as I understand, having spoken to some experts. And, you know, they are severed just by uh, 
by sharks, etc. Uh, that's, that's just common or pulled up by anchors. So, you know, there is a, a level of, of risk there anyway. Now, if, if they were going to cut them all over, over a certain period, uh, they can still do that fairly rapidly, you know. It's, it's not a difficult thing to do. So, yes, the risk exists, whether it's on land or on air. And we know that Russian military intelligence have been gathering information, intelligence on these sites all around Europe for the last number of years. So there's nothing new there. Um, in terms of investing in our defence forces, uh, you know, it, this has been going on for ages, the debate about this. The Commission on the Defence Forces reported last year. It said that we needed to massively and rapidly invest in the defence forces. It recommended as, as its course of action three, so the most investment of developing um, capabilities in terms of maritime surveillance and also air interdiction. And the government didn't follow the air interdiction part to, to develop, get basically get a squadron, a jet. So it's, it's opted for the, the lower level of ambition than Ambition 3. So um, we'll just have to see how it goes. It's got off to a slow start. I think there's some more momentum building at the moment. Just to finish with you, Conor Gallagher, Crime and Security Correspondent of the Irish Times. Given what Patrick has outlined there in relation to the need to spend, do you get any impression that the government is minded that way or is it happy to leave other nations effectively oversee our defence for us? In fairness, last year we have seen the first step towards, and it's a small step, but it is a step towards some degree of independence in this regard, in that commitment uh, uh, to uh, to go for the level of ambition too outlined in the Commissioner's report, and that uh, includes uh, establishing a primary radar system, a primary military radar system, where the only uh, EU country other than Malta, I believe, that doesn't uh, uh, that has that doesn't have one of these systems, and what that means is basically we can and see what's going on in the air. If a plane chooses to uh, turn its transponder off, which is the signal it sends, the little beep, you know, on the screen, um, then it's pretty much invisible to us. Um, and that's what these Russian bear bombers were doing off the the north uh, west of the country in, in, in recent years. And not only is that a, you know, a, a worry for a kind of sovereignty, you know, it's also a, a really big safety issue because if those planes aren't visible to, you know, the military, they're not visible to civil uh, radar operators as well and these are mass planes sometimes they're towing uh, really long communications cables so there's a significant risk there even from a, a pure civil aviation point of view so we're going to maybe in the next few years finally be able to see what's up there for the first time but we're still many many years away from being able to do anything about it other than call in the Brits Thank you very much Conor Gallagher from the Irish Times I know you're doing a podcast on this as well and Patrick Bury Defence and Security Expert at Bath University The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today FM.